Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. We're momming today with Samira Sign, New York Director of Common Sense Media and mother of four. Hi. We're talking about digital media. Uh, look, it's so easy to give a device. It, it's not so easy to take it away, as every parent out there knows. Th- this battle over the screen affects parents and kids of all ages at all times during the day. Whether parents give the kids the iPad or smartphone too easily to distract them, to teens obsessed with their images on the social platforms, to screens affecting how we sleep and how parents can take charge of all of this. What do we do, Samira? Well, hi. Good morning, Lauren. First of all, I have to apologize. I've, my voice has obviously gone today a little bit. But um, Were you yelling at your kids for being on their phones too much? Um, that's, that's a very good possibility, yes. <laughs> um, but that's, you bring up something that has so many dimensions. And let me start with, what was your first question again? Uh, my first question lunch. was... Oh, I guess this starts at the young age. At what age should we give a kid, a baby, a toddler, a device? How long should they use it for? How do we take it away? What are the answers or the guidelines to all of this? So these are all really important questions. And I get asked these questions all the time at parent talks or at interviews. Um, We highly recommend that parents wait until a child is two years old. Two. We're trying to follow the guidelines of the American Association of Pediatrics. Okay. Um, The question of how much time, it really depends on what your child is using technology for. Are they watching something educational or are they just playing video games, uh, swiping screens and left and right? We don't recommend that a child um, under the age of five spends hours and hours just watching video because that's, you know, it's just distracting. We find that kids can, they can become cranky and irritable. So, you know, there is a certain amount of a certain number of hours. Also, we say every parent should know their child. You should get to know your child and see how they react if you take it away. Okay, so I'm, I'm fessing up here. My daughter is almost four. She knows my password. She will go take... I should change my password. That That's the solution. Yes. But Step she can one. navigate that phone, that iPad, really, really well. And when she's on it, she zones out. She doesn't know what's going on. She won't listen to you. I don't even know if she hears you. And all she watches is mindless YouTube videos. It drives me crazy. I can't get it away from her. She, like, breaks down. So, you know, we can set limits. And all, today, at least, you know, Apple has done a lot of work toward time limits, screen time limits, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you have to talk to your child. How old is she again? She's four? Almost. She's almost four. So that's a good time to kind of scaffold your child and say, well... This is the number of hours. And after that, we're going to do something else. Mm-hmm. So plan something that they might like to do so that they're not – It's these, these, all these devices are created to be addictive. We have thousands of design ethicists behind um, all of these addictive technological tools. Should devices be used as a, as a uh, calming device? You know, when the kids are running around wild, okay, sit down, watch some videos, play some games uh, on, the, on the device. It'll calm you down or – 
No. Is it quite the opposite? Because I mean, then you have the reports of the blue light affecting how they sleep. So those are two separate things. Uh, first okay. of all, I think that, no, devices should not be used to calm children down. I do believe that if you've talked to your child and said, this, uh, try and set time zones where this is the amount of time you're allowed. And four is a good age to start because they're smart enough. They're digital natives. They're growing up with the, they see us using this. Mm-hmm. So we're models of, of, of using phones. So I'm so glad you said our that. Behavior I'm is so, so glad good. you said that. Because parents always say, you know, do what I say, right. Obviously, don't do what you do because kids notice we're on our devices all the time. We're the worst example setters here. Our latest report actually shows that kids are more worried about their parents' use of of technology. And uh, and we did the same study in 2016 where parents were more worried um, about their kids. And now kids are more worried about their parents. So obviously, we're terrible role models. Um, and we have some more research on sleep. But coming back to young kids, you should set the rules early and can be consistent. And it, you are their parent. So remember that this, nothing replaces parenting. And scaffold your child. So say, well, I'll give you five minutes. So give them a five-minute warning because no one wants anything to be grabbed from their hand. And that doesn't show respect to your child either. So say, I'll give you five minutes, but after five minutes, it's mine. And if you set the rules early, then you have, you're setting your child up for success and successful use of technology. Because it's not all bad. It's just moderation. As kids get to be your age, not your, your children's ages, you have an 8, eight a 10, and uh, a 12? 11, 12, and then one is out of the common sense age. Right? How does use of devices, use of electronics change around that age, the, the younger children's age? In, in your, it gets in harder. House? There's a social pressure to be on social oh, media. Yeah. I don't know. For girls, apparently it's higher. I have my boys are in that age, and I can see already that they really want to be with their friends. So there's this whole fear of missing out. It's oh, almost no. like I'll be darned if I do, and I'll be darned if I don't. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, but you are. Okay, thank you. <laughs> it's a podcast. <laughs> it's a podcast. But <laughs> so if half their class or more than half their class have the iPhone at the age of ten or eleven, the whining will start. Oh, mommy, you know, uh, my friends, all my friends. I'm, I'm the biggest loser in the class. <laughs> I, no one loves me. I, I have no friends. You know, it's this whole fear of missing out. And then you feel guilty. So I got my kids what you call a dumb phone. Okay. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. So a I dumb phone. Them on with off- yeah, exactly. A dumb phone. So it's basically the old flip phone, which Common Sense actually brought back. We kind of pushed, um, you know, these phone makers to bring back the flip phone because, you know, because uh, we thought the kids needed to be scaffolded. So it's a good way for you to know how your child texts. Get them used to the fact that they're now communicating with all of their friends. But a flip phone, you, I mean, you can text. It would just take a really long time to do so. Yeah, so good. But then, but then <laughs> do you become even more hated by, by your child and they're more of an outcast in their classroom and in their grade because everyone else has the cool brand new iPhone, but they have this, like, you know, brick for technology? Well, you know what I've noticed is that there are a lot of parents who sort of bought into the wait until 8th or who do care. And... I'd go to so many parent talks and conduct them in New York or other places. And every parent has these concerns. And they feel that all the friends of their children have smartphones. But when they come to these events, they all turn and say, what, you don't have an iPhone? Your child doesn't have an iPhone? So they realize their kids are sort of playing them a little bit. And saying, yes, the whole class has one. And then they don't, a lot of working parents don't yeah. have time to connect with all of the other parents. Or they just can't. And so they think, well, we've just got to get our child a phone. So actually check in with your child's friends. It's okay. 
That is the best tip ever. Don't just believe your child when they say, hey, I'm the only one in the class. Actually do your homework and and see if they're lying. And you know what? The child may not be lying. They might actually feel that there are, even if in a grade of 30 or 40, even if 15 kids have a phone, uh, what we call a smartphone, because Mm -hmm. a phone is a phone. This is a phone, what you have here. (laughs) We're looking at, yeah, yeah. (laughs) the conference call phone. Conference call phone, that's right. So what I'd say is that... um, Listen to your child. They're obviously feeling something. So mm-hmm. talk to them about it. Uh, you know, nothing replaces parenting at every stage of your life, whether it's whatever. It'll come to smoking and alcohol and driving, etc. But, you know, this is just <laughs> another way for us to learn that we are parents. It might start earlier. Yeah. But we have to talk to them and listen to them. Yes, maybe their best friend has an iPhone. So they're left out. Speaking of FOMO, fear of missing out. Oh. Um, and the pressure is, might be a little bit more more on girls, but how is self-confidence being reflected on social media, bullying on social media, some of these issues that preteens and teens most certainly face? Well, you know, that's a very good question again. So for boys and girls now, it's just who has – who's going on a better holiday, who's – you know, whose house is better, who's, uh, I, I, I see that. I see a lot of that happening. How many um, likes did my post have? Uh, that's the first thing. Which concert did you go to? Which seats were you in? You know, those kind of things. Start to, and competitive. It's, it's very competitive, but it's also not real. So I made my son, who's 11, create a, he created his own version of. I'm looking at Looking it. at all of my, uh, yeah, so you can have <laughs> a look at it. It's a child's view of, um, you know, just how he absorbs what being a good digital citizen is. What we say is that being a digital citizen, because I remember our kids are digital natives. So they're born with their whole life online. Even we put our kids up online. It's our fault. It's our fault, too. From when they're young, we put baby pictures up. So they're online anyway. There's a term for that, sharenting. Sharenting, yes. How much should you share about your child, about your baby online because they don't have a say, especially when they're young? Well, you know, there's that famous story right now of our very famous actress, Gwyneth Paltrow, and her daughter came up to her and said, Mom... According to reports, she said, Mom, you got to take that picture of me down. It happened recently to someone at Common Sense where one of her, someone I work with, a colleague, her son, who's only 10, said, Mom, you should ask me before you post a picture of me, you know. So the same thing. First of all, we should ask friends before we post. Uh, So privacy. We're talking about privacy. That's a big issue. And then, yes, cyberbullying starts, you know. Hey, your name sounds like a girl. So-and-so sounds like this. And it starts in group chats. Mm. So that's the first thing you tell your child if you're giving them a, a regular dumb phone, as I call it. Monitor how they behave on group chats and other kids. Dumb question. Can you do a group chat on a dumb phone? Uh, yes, you can. Okay. You can do you, – you, you can have a group chat. But then that's how you scaffold your child into Instagram. The other thing I've told my children is whatever they put on, even if they have all the filters, all the privacy settings, you are still avail- available. All of your information is available to a large and invisible audience. Do kids really get that? I mean, we grew up without Facebook, without cell phones. We got them as adults, yes. right? The- these are babies and children and teenagers that grew up with all of this. This is all they know. Do they understand the warnings that we're giving? You know, if you talk to them enough, um, I think at 11 and 12, it's sort of hard if you give it to them. Um, but on Snapchat, stuff. it disappears. Come on. And nothing disappears, though. Exactly. Someone can take a screen grab of it. You know, someone can save it. Um, and they ha- you have to constantly remind yourself, in two years, are you going to feel good about this? You know, are you going to feel good about yourself? How would you feel if grandma, mom, dad, or the head of your school, or someone you really respect who's older sees this? What, what, you know, think about your, 11, your 14-year-old self. 
And and children actually are smart. You know, if you actually talk to them and treat them as adults, you know, treat them like they they have a mind, they actually will respond well. Is I this find. being done in school, taught in school? I know that, uh, well, so we have a digital citizenship curriculum that's taught in more than half the schools, so it's given for free. We have these resources. That's awesome. And it's been funded by um, these great foundations, uh, our foundation partners, and it's for free. And more, so many Title I schools in the country use them. And it's about, you know, it's about protecting your privacy. It's about how to handle cyberbullying. It's about your digital footprint uh, and all these other very important topics. Uh, I just gave you a... Uh, I know uh, you have you have decorated the desk with research from Common Sense, and it, and it's awesome. And I intend to get to a lot to it because yeah. I personally can use all of this advice. No, I'm happy to send it across. The yeah, if you need, yeah. contact us. <laughs> contact Samira. I won't give out your yeah. information. But I do think that on the privacy component, we should always reinforce to our child that giving away too much of yourself is never good. Oh, don't overshare. You know, think twice. If you have in your in your feeling, if you if in your heart, go deep inside and say. If you have any doubts, don't post. When in doubt, don't do it. Take the safer. Take the safer. Yeah, because you might get a lot of comments and likes on a a picture right now, but a future employer, a future college might say, ooh. I mean, even, you know those duck face, the duck lip pictures that girls see with sexy poses? I can't stand them. I'm I'm seeing more of that now with the 11, 12-year-olds. I do see it. And because, well, the thinking is, and I speak to my mom friends about this, well, all their friends do it. It's very commonplace now. And, you know, if an employer is going to look down at you because of this bikini picture or because of this sexy picture, well, they won't have any applicants for that job. Well, what what Common Sense is trying to do now is, you know, we're trying to level it, saying that if all these kids are doing it, then this is the age where this is how, you know, we're trying to put pressure on the tech companies to protect children's privacy. And we're working very hard on that. And and you mentioned in, about the CNET article and about... Um, oh, the Amazon, Amazon article. Alexa. Yeah, yeah. Let, let's, let's get into that so our listeners understand. So there's this big story uh, about Amazon that, that's making the rounds. Basically, two states sued the company and the state, the parents were suing in defense of their children. One was eight and one was 10 years old and saying, look, we brought in these Amazon Alexa-empowered devices in our homes Amazon didn't tell us they're recording my kid's voice and they're storing their voice without our consent. So you have all this information about my child and my life. That's right. Well, you know, this is the tip of the iceberg. So what Common Sense did a while ago is we created a law in California called the Eraser Law, the right to be forgotten. And like in Europe. Huge, they have yes, that in Europe. Yes. So it's similar. Exactly. The GDPR. So the thing is that what we say is we're trying to put pressure on the tech companies to say protect your children until the age of 16 because they don't know what they're putting up online. But at the same time, so many children are doing it. So at the same time, I think employers and colleges to an extent are beginning to understand that this is just the generation. And, well, you know, so there's sort of a, a large number of kids doing it. So it's complicated. But in terms of privacy, this is the tip of the iceberg. We're going to see so much more come out. Um, and Common Sense is trying their best, and we are, to try and change laws. Um, is Silicon Valley being sympathetic to these issues, the, issue, the issues they're causing? I mean, you know, you have Apple with the, the limits or they tell you how much screen time. Which is great, by the way. But yet they're also developing the movies, the content, the games, the apps, the platforms that suck us in. So in a sense, I mean, they're we're, – we're, we're blaming them and then asking them also to save us from, the, from these problems. You know, it's, it's, it's the genie is out of the bottle. Yeah. 
And now we have to manage the genie. No one knows how to do it. Yes, but but but, but we're all trying. So Common Sense Media is a big voice in the room. Um, and there are uh, there are organizations, there are companies, there are people, there are individuals who care and beginning to realize, oh my goodness, mm-hmm. you know, this is becoming a massive problem. But we live in this age now, and this is just one of many. Um, I would say Alexa is just one of many examples where mm-hmm. data privacy uh, for children is being collect- collected. You know, there's EdTech. We rate an educate. We rate um, EdTech apps for classrooms because we just did a report called the 21st Century Classroom. Mm-hmm. And we asked teachers across the country, what, is, what are you most concerned about? And they said it's their students' privacy. So even EdTech is collecting data. Mm-hmm. So this is, this is what's happening. These kids are the most tracked generation. And they're okay with it, the kids. The kids seem to be okay with it. And who knows where we're headed. But I know that we all have to work to make sure we try and protect them. So it's an ongoing battle, and we want to, we want to make it a national law. Right. That says that you cannot track children sixteen and under. They're just so, too young. So, you, you, what what is the law? What is the law right now? Actually, on that, um, uh, you know, we were in Washington, um, and uh, we had remember the broadcast bill in nineteen ninety when when you were not allowed certain kinds of ad marketing wasn't allowed for right kids. Right. We say the internet needs to be regulated, so we need a certain number of states to sign on for it to become a national law. And Common Sense is working very hard. We had a Truth About Tech conference in D.C. We did one in Silicon Valley. Hopefully we'll have enough people in New York to bring it here. We need parents to sign on because, you know, it's parents like yourself. And, Do and you think us. there would be resistance to that right now, though? Because it seems like it's bipartisan among lawmakers that these big tech giants have gotten too big and regulation is needed. Do you think federally regulating the Internet would be a bipartisan solution? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, it's it's going to be an issue, uh-huh. but we want to get it passed. But okay. I would love to see it happen in New York, and I'd love to see it get passed. But would it be an issue? What Are there any guess? states right now that regulate the Internet? Um, you know, in California, we've had a lot of success. Okay. So we passed the eraser law, and then— um, it can, I'm sorry, can you—so that means you can— Any child if, can go up to a tech company and say— can you please erase all of my data? And they have to do it. So in California? Yes, in California. If you don't like a picture of yourself and you're under 16 years old, is yes. this for under 16? It's under 16. You 16 can, and under. You approach, that, you approach Facebook, for instance. Yes. And you say, I don't like that picture. Take it down. I don't want anybody to ever be able to see it again. Yes. And California State has to do that? Well, the tech company has to do that. And the thing is that— Do um, they do that? I mean, what— It's—, what? it's it's not easy, as in it, it would take a lot to get them to okay. do it. But it is, it is. How would I put this? Um, it is the right of the child to be. They have the right to be forgotten. It's the eraser law. So we, even for we something they that. post of themselves that they later regret. Yes, because it's called the right to be forgotten. You, you're allowed to have the right to be forgotten as a child. Because so, in the old days, if you did something that you shouldn't have done or whatever. There wasn't a digital copy of it. So yeah. you'd have to go to the library to look up but something where where that instance was. It's not so easy just to Google it on your phone. Yeah, exactly. But see, that that's interesting because I think as parents, we would say that that's great. This is, this is an opportunity for our children to take down all that bad stuff that's up there about them or embarrassing, whatever. But... Does it give you too many do-overs to mess up in life? 
I'm asking you tough questions. No, these are not tough questions. These are questions we're all trying to figure out. Yeah. We've like um, walked into the We've abyss. walked into, it is an abyss, but as I said, when you come back to starting out by teaching a child not to overshare and all of that, and we're also working on the advocacy side, we're hoping to make things better, to ameliorate the situation. And at some point, we've opened up a massive, you know, this genie that came out of the bottle is so big. We're all trying to tame the genie. And we are conducting a huge experiment on our kids by giving them the phones. And we don't know how it's going to come out. Yeah. The, the verdict in the jury is out. I mean, the verdict is not complete. The jury is out. And all I can say is Common Sense Media and other organizations are working really hard on every side. On the advocacy side, you know, we have a very strong advocacy team. And we want to be able to bring some of that work to New York and to other states. Can you talk about some of the health consequences of being addicted to a device? So we, our, our latest uh, research shows that kids wake up at night. So a, a third of them sleep with their phones. Mm. And they wake up at night. And yes, you were talking about blue light. Um, it affects their dopamine. It affects their cortisol. Cortisol, as we know, is a... It, it regulates the body, the hormones. So you were talking about weight gain earlier. And, and yes, it can. I mean, you know, it's all linked together. So we say that at 8 o'clock or an hour before a child goes to sleep, or even an adult, put your phones in a basket. I say lockbox. I don't even say basket. So I actually bought a lockbox for my house. That's fun, At 8 actually. o'clock, yeah. And I know I listened to one of your earlier podcasts where this mom was talking about reading to your kids. Well, that's a that's a dream. I can read to my eight-year-old, but try catching boys. It's like catching, you know. I've got young ones, and they don't want me to read to them either. So really? it's well, a dream for me too. <laughs> so I think that, um, you know, in terms of sleep and in terms of um, weight gain, et cetera, yes, kids are spending more time playing video games, and we didn't even discuss that, but that would be hopefully another conversation. We could do it. Go ahead. Oh, my. <laughs> well, just it's it makes us all more sedentary and distracted, and we're multitasking. And this is such an easy way to grab our attention. Um, so, yes, we're, we're thinking about, you know, it's so easy. It's such a, it's, it's like brain candy, I would say. It's just like candy for the brain. Um, there are some great, you know, uses of technology. Like my son created the, um, you know, using, looking at things. He, he used something that creates storyboards. So, you know, that means thinking and working. Um, so ed tech can be great. You know, educational apps, there's some TV that's good. But on the whole, if you're giving a child a device for hours and hours, it's a problem. And everything he, that you're saying seems to come back to mom and dad. It, it's the parent's responsibility to curb this, to stop this, to regulate this. It, it is. I mean, yeah. we, are, we have to and be And we're parents. working parents. The bo- well, you know what? The bottom line is that it, it's really for, it's on us. And trust me, Common Sense is doing trying to do their work. We are trying to do our work on the other side. And we are being effective, but it takes a while. And yes, it, it, it is. We also provide lots of tips and guidelines on, on our website. Teachers have tools um, that they use across the country to make sure that our kids are as safe as they can be. You were giving tips earlier on how to manage screen time. And I actually went on the site and one, one of the tips was pay attention to how your, your child reacts during and after yes. screen time. Can you just go into that a little bit? Like what do you expect to see? Well, if your child is um, during screen time, it's always good to maybe try and engage a little bit in the early days. If you want to give your child a video game, say, you watch them, you see how they're doing. And when you, when you take it away, if they show that they're being violent or angry or something, that, then that's gone on for too long. 
So you have to check in with your child and talk to them about it. Say, you know, I tried to take the device away. The time was over. It's time now for homework or for a walk or, for, or reading. Just something simple. It's dinner time. Uh-huh. And they, they react badly. Then you know that, you know, you might have to scaffold your child a bit. So give them increments of 10 minutes, 20 minutes. You regulate them into it. Um, and for some children, you might, you know, you might have to wait a little longer. Yeah. Well, I'm going home today, and I'm getting a lockbox for devices for at night, and we're going to play a game where you put the device in the lockbox. That's a great idea. I like because it. it's a little fun aspect to that, because we have a major screen time problem in my house. Because, you know, even if I can regulate it, grandma and grandpa don't. The nanny yeah. doesn't. I mean, you say, please limit the screen time, but... You know, so-and-so needs a break. Here, the phone's the easiest way to give you that break. They're not they're not listening. Oh, if you go into a restaurant, especially... You know, I, I would go with kids of all ages. Every child in a restaurant is on a phone. That's right. That's absolutely right. And wait till they get older. When they come out of school, they'll all be on their phones. They don't look up anymore. <sighs> Earlier, I'd pick up my children. They'd be like, good morning or good afternoon, Mrs. So-and-so or Mrs. Yeah. So-and-so. They're on their phones. And once I said, oh, so-and-so, or, you know, ask my son's friend. I said, who are you talking to my, even my son, they said we're talking to each other. They're texting each other. They don't look up. I'm like, look up, look around you. It's a beautiful spring day. And then or if they do, them. they'll take a picture of it or do a, an Instagram story of it. Yeah. So it's like, okay, you're experiencing that with your phone. But, you know, some of it is okay, but there has to be a limit. You know? yeah. So it's up to us to talk to our kids. And we are sometimes the worst offenders, to be honest. What you know? trend do you see now that has formed or is forming that really scares you the most? Um... I think that's a really good question. That's a tough one. There's so many trends. I think that there are so many intelligent design ethicists. Oh, sorry. There are so many uh, designers. I'll just start that again. (laughs) I think what scares me the most is that we're all in the hands of really smart people who create these apps. There's an attention economy. And we have very smart people behind every device from the iPad to the iPhone to the computer to any app that we're on that wants to keep us on as long as we can. That's the whole point of this. So if you want to watch one video on YouTube and say, I'm just going to watch that one video, and you find yourself an hour later going, wow, I just wanted to watch that. That's what scares me for us and for our kids. It's like Netflix. You get done with one series, you binged it, you love it. Oh, it just happens to populate other ones you might want to binge as well, and usually you do. And then your time is gone. So the technology is killing us. Well, it could be helping us too because, you know, when I've spoken about this, parents go or a grandmother might get up and say, well, it was Alexa that saved me because it reached my daughter. So we could say that I wouldn't say it's killing us. I would say that we need to regulate ourselves and our children. We're the boss of technology, not vice versa. We can manage it. And, you know, yes, privacy is an issue. We could talk. That's a separate conversation. That is a hornet's We'll have to have you back. And we'll delve into more of these privacy issues because I personally don't use Venmo. People think I'm nuts. Um, I don't want my house to have cameras all over it and Nest devices and you name it. Um, But this stuff is convenient, right? It's convenient. And as adults, as children, we've thrown privacy to the curb, and maybe we should start trying to get it back. Or you know, if you log companies. into Starbucks, if you go into Starbucks and log into their Wi-Fi, uh-huh. you're probably giving up some data. I oh, absolutely! Know. I'm just saying Public that Wi-Fi. What, exactly. So it, the the question is, you know, it's even if you log onto a plane's Wi-Fi, you're giving up data and information. So it's just really difficult to understand where it begins and ends. Mm-hmm. And there's, as I said, we're working on it. So. Yes, we are, <laughs> and we so appreciate you joining us today. Thank you. Mom so of four, much. which is impressive. 
huge job. Thank your you. Your job affects all of your kids yes. and mine too. And I, I might be the worst offender and my kids not, might not be the best media kids, but we're all trying. We're all moms at the end of the day. We do right? the best we can. We can. Yeah, we're momming together. We're momming together. That's right. I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in freefall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.